I think the biggest feature that I would say that React 18 focuses on is actually uh, making sure that it removes janky user experiences. But the main idea is that React 18 focuses a lot of its efforts on ensuring that UI is performant. Hello and welcome to PodRocket. I'm Noel and today we're talking with Shruti Kapoor, who is a lead member of technical staff at Slack. Um, she recently spoke um, at React in the Park this year about React 18, which we'll kind of be covering this episode and, you know, other stuff too as, as we as we explore a little bit. Um, but yeah, welcome to the show, Shruti. How's it going? Thank you so much, Noel, for having me on the show. It's been going great. It's a Monday here. Uh, short week here, so getting started excited about the upcoming weekend already. Yeah, yeah, we have a short week too, so I'm I'm, I'm feeling that that four day week energy and looking forward looking forward to the weekend. Awesome. So yeah, let's just kind of get into it. Uh, tell us about your background. Um, you recently moved from uh, or moved to Slack from PayPal, right? Yeah. Yeah. So how's your how's that kind of progression gone? How's your career changed over the years, and how have you found yourself kind of focusing on front end stuff? Yeah, uh, so I moved to Slack like almost a month ago. So I feel like I'm still like understanding what I'm supposed to do at Slack. <laughs> um, at PayPal, I've been working, I worked there for four years and I was kind of working on the front end side of things there as well, heavily involved with React and GraphQL, um, some Redux in the front in, in, uh, in my initial years. Um, I have been working at in the front end space for almost eight years now. And I started off as a web developer working on WordPress as well. So like super, super front end. Um, I guess how I kind of got involved was um, once I was, once I started working professionally um, in React, one of the things that I kept thinking was React and Redux are the same thing because they were so confusing and so tightly coupled. I think even now people have that problem when they're starting to get starting with it. So um just like working through that and understanding where to draw the differences and helping other kind of figure out others, other people figure out the same things as well. is kind of where I found my passion of like helping people understand front end technologies. Cause there's so much that goes on. Um, and pretty much all of us are like stuck on the same questions when we begin. Yeah. Gotcha. Did you have any, uh, like any background in kind of, I don't know, education, um, or just like bringing people into a knowledge space at all before this, or is this kind of a novel thing for you as you were getting into development? It was kind of very new to me. Like I used to be a tutor to, uh, little kids when I was, I don't know, like 16 or something. So I used to teach like grades, uh, grade seconders, uh, but like teaching developers and all that, that came very, like that was kind of a novel thing. Um, I think I just enjoyed like helping people and like un- making them understand a concept that I struggled with at some point as well and kind of giving them the same story that I used to understand the topic myself. So kind of I was able to relate to people better and I was kind of able to understand their struggles as well. So that kind of got me passionate about helping them um, understand front end topics even more. Nice, nice, very cool, awesome. Well, yeah, I'm excited to kind of get into React 18 stuff here. Again, some listeners may know a lot, some may not have, you know, be like have new releases on the radar, and they're they're too far down in the weeds. So maybe this will be like a "there's cool stuff on the horizon" kind of moment for them. But before we get in, I've got in my notes that you're a big fan of dev jokes, so I'm going to put you on the spot. Got any good zingers for us, quick before we before we get in the weeds here? Oh, okay. React. Okay, so let's talk about a React joke. Um, what did the proud React parent say to its children? 
Uh, I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what did they say? I got to give you props. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so bad. So good. So bad and so good. I love it. Nice. Excellent. Excellent. Okay, cool. Now that the tone is set, let's <laughs> let's get into it here. Um, yeah, so React 18 uh, released in March, right? That's what I got, March. Yeah. Um, can you give us some of the, uh, like, what's what's the coolest new stuff? What's, what's exciting for devs? What are you excited about? Yeah, so uh, React 18 was officially released in March 2022, uh, but it's been out in alpha and beta phase for a while. So the one interesting thing that they did for the very first time with React 18 is they formed like this React 18 working group, which basically is a group of like uh, community people, educators, um, library maintainers who are all like understanding what React 18 is going to be about and helping educate this the community as well. Um, so something like what I'm doing right now. Um, so there have been um, so basically the the releases have been already in discussion with the working group members. So it's been public for a while, but officially released in March 2022. Um, I think the biggest feature that I would say that React 18 focuses on is actually uh, making sure that it removes janky user experiences. So the janky UI experience that other, uh, like in previously, you would have to think about and code around it, those have been now been automatically taken care of. We'll talk about some examples when we talk about like automatic patching and concurrent rendering. But the main idea is that React 18 focuses a lot of its efforts on ensuring that UI is performant and a lot of the things that you had to think about previously about um, like um, making sure that your user input is at higher priority or that when you're writing something that goes in first and the data that's rendering in the background that can be deferred all of that is now being taken care of in react 18. Um, so the big theme is concurrent rendering um, and we'll talk about what that is or like concurrency and um, some of the features that come around with it um, but that's the main goal to make ui more performant so the most of the updates are ui centric updates Got it. Got it. So, so when you say like the, the big theme being user experience, we're, we're talking about like the end user of like the web app, not necessarily, I mean, the developers, Correct. but it sounds like they're kind of brought along as well in that they don't have to worry about these things that may end up impacting their users at the end of the day as well. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Very cool. Um, yeah. So like, again, we can kind of jump in on wherever you think makes the most sense is maybe just like talking about con concurrency, concurrency. Is that kind of a good, a good place to start? Yeah, let's do that. So um, to think of concurrency, think of like basically the way it sounds is like um, React is actually doing multiple things in the background. And to kind of make you understand concurrency, like uh, there's an example in the working group discussions that one of the core members gave, which I'll give here. So let's say that you're on a call with, uh, uh, you have to make a call with two people, Alice and Bob, right? So you're calling with Alice, but let's say that the call with Alice, let's say maybe it's like a customer service call. So you say something, they put you on a hold, and then you're just waiting for a long time. And then once you're done calling Alice, you end the call, and then you can call Bob, right? So that's how you do a synchronous call. But in the model of concurrency, what you can do is, let's say you call Alice and you're put on a hold, you can actually put that call aside and then call Bob at the same time, right? And then once you're done with Bob, you come back to Alice and, and, and finish your call there. So in the time that you were previously spending waiting and talking to Alice or being on hold, you don't have to do spend that time anymore. In that time, you can actually talk to Bob. So basically, you can do two important, two things at the same time. So in React's perspective, it basically means that if you 
uh, set anything as an urgent update or if you set something as a higher priority that gets take uh, that gets taken uh, that takes precedence over a lower priority task so react is able to do multiple things at the same time while still giving a good user experience to the end uh, end user um so that's concurrency and concurrency is actually a foundational feature so in the front like as a user or as a developer you don't have to think about it you don't have to write anything that needs to be like concurrent it just gets taken care of in the background um so react 18 basically introduces concurrent rendering as a foundational feature um some i guess an important thing uh, that concurrent react introduces is a few different concurrent features such as automatic patching the start transition we can talk about them but those are the features that power concurrent rendering in for a developer so you won't be like using a concurrent feature like you won't be using concurrent rendering as such but you'll be using features that power concurrent rendering Got it. Got it. So, what what was the state of like concurrency in the rendering engine before, like in in previous versions? Yeah, great question. Actually, so previously, concurrent um, concurrency was kind of a experimental feature, but it was enabled by using something called as concurrent mode. And the difference between concurrent mode and what we have in React eighteen is that concurrent mode was actually a all or nothing thing. So, once you opt into concurrent mode, your entire app is concurrent. but with react 18 what you can do is you opt for a feature that enables concurrency so only that part of that feature or that code is concurrent your rest of the app is still whatever it was before so you it's no longer like an all or nothing thing you can choose and plug in wherever you want concurrency got it got it cool very cool maybe to help us kind of frame a little bit more can you give me a good example of an app that may uh, like stand or i don't know just a functionality that may stand to benefit from having concurrent rendering. Yeah, so uh let's talk about let's say um I think one of the things that we one of the features that we can talk about is like start transition which is a feature powered by concurrent rendering. So let's think of an example where you are like searching in Google. Um when you and when you go to google.com you have like a search box and you are writing something like let's say reactathon. So as you start typing you are also seeing you're doing seeing two types of feedback right there's one where you are like actually writing a character in so your cursor is up, updating your cursor is moving your character is coming through and there is a second type of feedback where when you are typing like reactathon as you are typing your search query gets updated and the drop box uh, the drop box shows up the drop down box shows up so there's two types of feedback happening right so if you think about it like previously what you'd have to do is let's say you're on a slower connection you'd kind of have to debounce your search so that you can kind of show the uh, the input query first right because that is a more important user feedback so now with the help of concurrent rendering uh, and by using start transition the feature what you can do is you can tell react that i want the input to be a higher priority and i want the search query like when i type and search that that to be a lower priority so with the help of concurrent rendering what react can do is prioritize anytime a user input comes in and then if you are searching before like let's say you were searching for re when you type rea in reactathon or react that gets re search query gets discarded so it gets thrown away so it does it never actually renders So that's concurrent rendering in a nutshell and this kind of feature would be super helpful with new APIs that React 18 is powering. 
That's nice. So, so in the, in the, like, you know, uh, I guess in my head, the old, the old school way of doing this, like you said, I'd have like a watcher or something like something watching input. And as I type, I then like calling a function, which debounces. And then like when the response comes back from the server or upstream or whatever, I'm updating my like list of auto completed, um, suggestions in the search box. Is it like, is the goal with concurrency? So I don't have to like think about this anymore and like debounce that function and do all that work. Or like, what is, what is the, what's the end goal of like having these this api yeah basically yeah so that's that's the goal that you don't have to like think manually or like write code manually to debounce it um and this kind of thing is even more prevalent when you have like a slower connection or when you have a slower computer because you're not able to prioritize those two like react wasn't able to render those two features as fast so with the help of like these concurrent features now you don't have to think about where to add throttle or where to add debouncing um, and so React can automatically take care of that for you. And one of the cool things is like with debouncing, you um, you set a timer or like you set a delay and it definitely gets like, it's a definite delay, right? So after that certain time, it will get debounced. But with React's uh, feature, like concurrent features, it's actually more intelligent than that. So if you have a slower computer, it will get debounced. But if you don't have a slower computer and it's fast enough, then it won't get debounced. Like it won't get throttled. Um, so th- that's interesting. Got it. Got it. So is, is the intelligence of React that we're talking about there, is that just on like the rendering side? So like, say there's again, like API calls happening behind the hood. It, this is just like the DOM or we're getting, we're getting information that we're then instructing the DOM to update this. We're just saying that React is smart enough to know like what work it needs to be doing to update the DOM efficiently. Is that accurate? Yeah, yeah. So the this work is basically on rendering the DOM and updating the DOM. Um, I think like, I think what you're alluding to is like calling an API and how to be smart about it, right? right? right yeah. I think that feature is actually powered by like some libraries like Next.js along with Suspense. So um, I think like that is work in progress and it will probably come up in the future. But right now, this is what I'm talking about is actually like updating the DOM and um, rendering on the DOM. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I was just I was just kind of making sure and, and clarifying for listeners that we're like, we're talking about, you know, everything. Uh, all else being like done and handled and happening efficiently. Just like we're telling React to do things, making sure that it can do it quickly and we're not like slowing down the device based on how we're telling the front end to render itself. Yeah. Hey, this is Emily, one of the producers for PodRocket. I'm so glad you're enjoying this episode. You probably hear this from lots of other podcasts, but we really do appreciate our listeners. Without you, there would be no podcasts. And because of that, it would really help if you could follow us on Apple Podcasts so we can continue to bring you conversations with great devs like Evan Yu and Rich Harris. In return, we'll send you some awesome PodRocket stickers. So check out the show notes on this episode and follow the link to claim your stickers as a small thanks for following us on Apple Podcasts. All right, back to the show. Um, yeah, I think you mentioned automatic ban- batching and transitions. Is there one of those we should dig into next? Yeah, so let's talk about transitions, actually, because we were talking about that Google uh, Google input field, right? So going back to the Google input field, so we were talking about there's two types of feedbacks. One is more important, one is uh, lower priority. So how do we tell React which is more important? So we can tell React with this new API, which is called transitions. And basically, the way you can access this API is either through the start transition function itself, uh, or you can use the use transition hook. Um, which is a new hook as well. So the idea is that transition is actually a lower priority update. So you tell React what you want to mark as a lower priority. So let's say in this case where we were searching, um, we want to mark the 
inputting the user field as a higher priority, but we want to mark searching for something as a lower priority. So whatever is our lower priority, we wrap that within a transition. Um, and so you can use like start transition and it's like a callback function. So you just like, uh, it's like a function. So basically you write start transition and you put your like whatever search, ser um, search query inside your start transition function. And that tells React to market as lower priority. So I think it's just like one line of code. Um, and that takes care of basically deprioritizing that update. Got it. Got it. So, so the hook essentially makes it so that update can happen. Like, um, I don't know, like later in the event loop like is that is that kind of a way to think about it like just kind of pushes it down down the line is there any any other work that it's doing for us so basically what it's doing is it's telling react uh, it's loading the priority of rendering that for react so let's say that you have input uh, you have two you have two inputs uh, a is a higher priority input b is a lower priority input so a would be like typing in the user field and b would be searching here so let's say that a comes in and we're already firing B. We've already in progress, like we're already rendering B. So as soon as A comes in, um, React discards B or like pauses B and then inputs e A in. So shows A in, the higher priority in. And let's say we've got more of A's coming in. So that gets still gets prioritized. And once we have done uh, rendering A, then we go back to rendering B if we need to. Um, let's say in the, during this time, there was another input that came in for B, the lower priority input. Anything that was, uh, anything that was previously being done for B would get discarded. So basically you would always have the freshest state of any of those two functions. Um, but the higher priority function or the higher priority update, which would be A in this case, which is us typing in the query, would get um, executed first. Got it, got it. And so if I'm if I'm, I'm, I'm a dev looking to use these hooks, how do, like, do I usually kind of, uh, does one usually kind of work their way backwards into finding themselves using them? Like they're, they're testing things like, oh, I need to prioritize A over B in, in this case, um, or vice versa. Um, and then they, they end up using these hooks or like, is this something that you devs need to be kind of proactively thinking about as they're writing interactive user interfaces? I, I think the one way that I've been thinking about is like, um, when I'm noticing that something is slow or something that I have to kind of, um, that I'm using a lot of rendering behind the scenes or it's like a heavy task, then I'm thinking of, is there a concurrent feature that I can use? So for example, the search query was one. Another one is like, let's say you have like a big table and you're uh, putting in a lot of data. You could think of, uh, let's think of this case uh, where you would think that React needs to do a lot of work in the background. So for me, I'm thinking like, is there a React concurrent feature that I can use here? Um, and that's how I'm going about using these React 18 features. So basically you already have like an app going now. Think of where in your app do you think there could be some, there could be a large rendering task happening and see if you could use a concurrent feature there. Got it, got it. And this is the, yeah, so the we're talking about the transition hooks right now, right? Or the... Uh... Yeah, like I guess they're they're implemented as hooks, but however however one wanted to use them, you could. Um, mm. Is there are there are there more than one? Like how, like how does that API look? Are there multiple hooks you can use? Uh, yeah, there's a, a few different hooks that React has released. Um, I think the official docs has a few different uh, has a uh, whole documentation of how to use them. But a few different ones that that another one that comes to my mind is use deferred value, which kind of does the same thing of improving the rendering behavior. But um, where use transition is kind of thought for like ui changes like you want to move from one screen to another or you have like a few different ui changes you're thinking of 
use deferred value is more for like letting react know that this is the data i want to render so for example um uh, let's say that you have a big table like we were talking about this um and you want the table data updates um you're probably fetching it or you're like calculating it or whatever so you want to tell react that um i want you to defer the loading of this table because there is a higher priority update that i want to show maybe you have like an avatar you're clicking like for example in the case of jira um in that case you could use a hook called use deferred value and basically it would tell react to load your table with this data which is actually deferred because my uh, there's a higher priority update on the page which would be like clicking between avatars or like clicking tabs or like clicking a different link so you're deferring the loading of that page uh, of that uh, component nice awesome awesome is there i guess yeah if if you're a dev and you know you have these kinds of like performance problems and i don't know some, some complex ui where you're like have multiple filters and they're like affecting each other like to continue your table example maybe like there's a table and there's like multiple filters or profiles that might control the data that's being rendered how do like what would be the easiest way for a dev to go in and figure out how they can use some of these tools to help them like improve the user experience yeah so like i think what i've been doing is um i look at my code and see like am i changing am i trying to improve the performance of a screen um or like screen uh, state transition so for example i'm clicking between two different tabs i need to show one tab versus second tab versus third tab or if i am doing a uh, if i'm doing a, a re-render of that component um so basically what i'm trying to do is like finding out where are my performance blocks um and which feature could be better or like what i'm trying to do there so if it's rendering um or, or if it's sending a big amount of data to react to render then i'm using use deferred value um so i guess what a, a dev could do at this point is look at their code and see is there any performance block is there a large rendering task anywhere and see if we could insert a react 18 concurrent feature there gotcha gotcha Awesome. Are there any other um kind of you know perform big performance improvements in or tools that devs could use for performance improvements in in React 18? So another one that uh, actually comes out of the box is automatic batching. Um Oh cool. And uh, so basically the idea here in automatic batching is like uh let's say that you have like a few different set states. Um previously React was actually batching the set states that would happen within an event handler so when you click you have like five different set up set states you're doing that would all be batched but anything that happened outside it would not be batched um and so this was a big performance drain as well um going forward with react 18 any state update actually gets batched whether it's an event handler whether it's a set timeout whether it's a promise so um that would be another place where you would see some performance boosts as well um I think one thing that people have been noticing is like let's say you do want to opt out of it because you want to read the state right after you set it um you can kind of opt out of that automatic batching feature as well using flush sync. Oh interesting. So can you can you explain a little bit more about why that might be a problem? Like where where having a batch state update could lead to weird behavior? Uh I think it it could lead to a uh, weird behavior where let's say you have a set state you are updating the state and right after that in the same function you are doing like a console log of that state so because they are batched you would not see the update until at the end of that function until that function actually uh, executes um 
And maybe you have some code where you want to read it right after, like maybe you have a counter, you want to read that counter right after. In that case, you may want to force uh, that update happening instead of waiting for that entire function to finish. So in that case, you can wrap it within a flush sync. Sure. I guess, yeah, so I'm trying to think of like valid use cases for that where the answer wouldn't just be, well, like don't read that from the state if you're in a given context and instead like read the value that you're using to set the state. Have you encountered any instances of that where like it doesn't seem like it would just be um, prudent to instead like refactor that code slightly and like change the reference to look at something else? Yeah, like most code most code shouldn't have to use flush sync. Like most code should be waiting for the state to update before reading it. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's an exception. It's a it's it shouldn't be common. I'm sh- I'm sure there are cases that I'm not thinking of in my you know 15 seconds I've just spent pondering it. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like hopefully that's not a gotcha that like too many you know new devs find themselves stumbling into because I could see someone not really knowing like oh well I'll just read the state value after I just said it here because. I just said it, so yeah. obviously it would be fine. Um, yeah. But anyway, yeah, yeah, very cool. Nice. Are there any other kind of features you want to touch on? Transitions, automatic batching? We didn't talk about suspense on the server, so let's talk about that. Oh, yeah. Okay, so um, suspense is another feature that is, suspense on the server is another feature that's coming in React 18. Um, so I don't know if people have already familiar with suspense, but basically the idea with suspense is like, let's say you have a big app and most parts of your app are fast, but there may be one or two parts where let's say you're loading comments, there's tons of comments on your YouTube video, let's just say, um, and that specific component would be slow. So what you can do is with the help of suspense, you can actually wrap that within like a suspense suspense uh, component and whenever that component is taking long that component will have like a loading screen so that's basically suspense um what react 18 introduces is like previously you had react uh, suspense on the ser- on the client but only if you used react.lazy um, but with react 18 you get suspense on the server as well um, and one of the cool things is like when you're doing server rendering you actually are able to send the rest um of your page. So let's talk about server rendering for one one second. For those who are not familiar. So basically what happens is typically in like a client rendered program, um, you have your JavaScript on the page, you have your React components. React component may be awaiting for data from the API to come back. So the first thing we do is we load the JavaScript on the page. Then that JavaScript may be calling like an API. So we're going to wait for that data to come back. Once that data comes back, we are rendering our component. So like we have our divs, divs and whatever, they're waiting for the data. The, those divs get uh, rendered. And then once we've got everything loaded and painted, then our app is interactive, right? So we've got basically three steps before our app gets interacted. One is like um, uh, load the data um, and make uh, render our components and fetch the data. So lo- load JavaScript, fetch our data, and render components. Those are the three steps. And then our app becomes interactive. Um, to increase the performance of this, what you could typically do is you could make your application render on the server. So you do all of this heavy computation on the server, loading of the JavaScript. So basically, you do like fetching of the data on the, on the server itself. Um, and then when you uh, ask for the for an input uh, for uh, an HTML back from the server, you actually get the entire like skeleton of the app that you need. So you have your entire HTML um, app that you need. Um, and then you still need to load your JavaScript to make it um, like like to basically refresh the data. And then you can hydrate it, and that's when your application, your uh, web app becomes interactive. So basically, the idea is that um, instead of waiting for three steps to see anything meaningful on the page, you actually see a HTML output 
right as soon as you ask for it from the server so that increases the time or that decreases the time it takes to show something meaningful to the user as well now what happens is let's say that you are still rendering on the server and you're asking for that html from the server um when the html is being generated let's say that the component like comments component took very long to load that can still slow down the time it takes to render that html so let's say you've got like 50 components on your app everything else is fast except for this one comments feature that will still slow down the app so previously in react 18 uh, like previously in react um this would slow down your entire app and could take a long time because it was an all or nothing thing you couldn't like wait for that specific component but with react 18 what you can do is you can wrap that comments feature in a suspense um and so that will delay the uh, output of that specific component wait for it to load but the rest of the page gets shipped already so we are starting to show the user a meaningful page much faster than we were before if we have a component like this that's usually a bottleneck so that's basically what uh, suspense on the server is um so you can actually suspend a component on the server when your server rendering the html gotcha gotcha and that's like that's a component is it a, is it a suspense component or not it's not like a traditional hook uh it's it's actually yeah it's a suspense component so you're wrapping it within like a suspense component um mm-hmm. yeah cool cool that makes sense to me so is is everything within a suspense i guess is the other cases then where the suspense component component is rendered on the server like will it always attempt a server render and then they kind of like if it's slow it goes oh we'll just send this down to the client as is and then try to render it or is it um like always just rendered on the client side. Uh so in this case you are rendering the component on the like you're rendering your app on the server so that's why it gets sent from the server. Um you can do it on the client as well using react lazy uh which is client uh, like which is like suspense on the client. Got it, got it. So so this component is is only like um if you if you're doing strict server side rendering and pre like rehydration of the front end app where it becomes reactive and so it's always it's always getting state updates from the server is that accurate yes correct okay cool awesome awesome is there um like if you if you have an existing server side rendered uh app where you're like doing doing all that all that all the react heavy lifting on the server then just sending down like kind of pre-rendered views before hydration is there much work you have to do if um you have a particular um you know like component or page or set of components that are already kind of slow you know they're they're slowing down your rendering is it easy to get those transitioned um into suspense Yeah that's a great question actually so the only thing you need to do is wrap that component within a suspense component and like provide like a fallback like a loader or whatever and that's basically it react will take care of everything else nice that's super cool yeah i'm 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 intrigued to try suspense app maybe more than anything else we've talked about then because i feel like that'd be really cool <laughs> is there i this is just like a a limit of my react knowledge is there a good way to tell if you're um like what components are causing slowdowns on your server side rendering um like in in the SSR kind of processing flow like is there are there good debugging tools to figure that out 
Yeah, that's a great question, actually. I haven't done much work on the server side, but there is a tool called React Profiler that can help you understand which components, which JavaScripts are taking longer. So maybe give that a shot. Um, I think there is an open thread in GitHub discussions and the working group as well about React Profiler, which I'll share, share afterwards. Um, there are updates coming to React Profiler as well to show concurrent rendering as well and how concurrent rendering is helping you. Um, I don't know how it works on the server side because I haven't used that much, but definitely React Profiler would be helpful for understanding where the bottlenecks are. Nice, nice. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, again, I, I, I haven't really either delved too much into like complex SSR apps outside of like uh, like Gatsby and stuff, where it's kind of you know it's all it all just tends to work pretty well, and like once the initial re- like load is done every, or the generation's done, it's all kind of just fine. Um, but yeah, that'd be like, I'm, I'm interested to know how well that tooling's coming along. Anyway, um, kind of back on the on the topic of getting like transitioning and starting to use new features. How, like, what else? What other kind of guidance can you give devs who are excited to start using some of these tools um, and like the new features of React eighteen to help them get those integrated in their apps or you know solving performance problems? Um, any 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 anywhere you'd tell them to start looking? Yeah, so uh, I would probably start. Um, so uh, to update basically your app to React eighteen, what you need to do is. Um, you need to install npm react uh, react 18 um, and one thing you can do is um, so let's say that you are on a react 17 react 16 app um, a good thing is that you don't actually need to change um, anything for react 18 to start working uh, actually backtracking that so let's say you're on react 16 17 or, or any older react and you install npm react 18 um, you uh, as soon as you npm install and you haven't done anything else, um, if you open your browser and you open the console, you'll see like a warning that says that you're still using uh, React 17 because you haven't yet updated to create root. So the idea is that your app will still work even if you haven't made a single line code change uh, after you npm install 18, which is a, a bit of relief for me specifically. Um, (laughs) So let's say that you NPM install React 18, uh, your app would still be working fine. Um, Then the first thing you need to do to start using React 18 features is actually update your root um, from reactom.render to reactom.createRoot. So what we were doing in the background uh, previously was we were creating a root in the background, but we were never actually accessing it ourselves directly. But starting React 18, you need to actually create a root and then uh, use this root to um, render what, uh, your component. Um, and the directions of how to do this is are written in the, written in the React.js documentation. It's literally one line of code change. So once you've updated to create root, now you're actually full in React 18 mode, and you can start using concurrent features like automatic patching and start transition or suspense on the server that we just talked about. So what I would probably do is I would update my app from, I would install npm install React 18, uh, update my root, so start using create root and then give like a good test of my app to make sure that everything is running fine. So once I know that everything is great and there are no problems, um, then I would start finding places where concurrency would help my problems, especially if it's like uh, something that I was doing manually or uh, like something I was throttling or debouncing to fix. Uh, so that's number one, right? So npm install, create root, and then make sure your app is working fine. Then start using create, uh, start using um, React 18's concurrent features. So once you have all of that done, and let's say that you are still, you still want to like maybe improve the performance of how when you render your uh, uh, API, you have some data, or like you call your API, you have some data coming, you need to put that on the uh, on the DOM. 
I would probably look at some libraries that are compatible with React 18. Next.js is compatible. So I'd probably look at some libraries that are already React 18 compatible and start using or maybe start incorporating those libraries. Um, but I think overall, I would say that uh, you shouldn't see any problems when you update to React 18, mostly because React 17's root is still part of React 18. So it should still uh, work properly. But if you do get any issues, I would say like enable your strict mode and see what errors you're getting in strict mode and maybe start solving those, fixing those problems before updating or adding any concurrent feature. Got it. Got it. That makes sense to me. Is there any weirdness with like, um, like peer dependencies or other, other tooling that one might be using in their project, which, uh, people are frequently running into like, I, I don't know, like weird, you know, like router problems or anything like that, or is everything pretty compatible? Everything is pretty compatible. A few things that people are seeing is like uh, sometimes effects will run twice in strict mode. Um, so you may want to check your effects specifically, uh, maybe turn on strict mode and see how you're seeing if there's any like side effects um, or like there's any issues when you uh uh, when you are running your effects, that's the only problem that I'm I have kind of run into. But I don't I don't anticipate any other issues. Um, again, like if you have a library, check if your library is working fine and if the, uh, that is compatible with React 18 before you update. Nice, awesome, awesome. Well, yeah, thank you, thank you for that kind of guidance. Hopefully, it, we can we can save some devs a little bit of pain and encourage people to try the new stuff. Um, cool. Well, I guess kind of more broadly, is there anything anywhere you'd point uh, listeners or anything you implore them to to check out? Yeah. So, um, if you're interested in a detailed overview of what we just talked about, I have written a blog on this. You can find it on my website, Shrutikapoor dot dev. Um, there's an article on React 18. If you're interested in any uh, working group discussions, which are actually super helpful, especially if you are new to concepts like suspense, concurrent rendering, automatic batching, um, check out GitHub discussions. I'll, I'll link that as well. Um, that is a great uh, thread for understanding these React core concepts. Um, there have um, React Conf, uh, so React team also did a conference last year, and most of these topics have been talked about in the conference as well. Um, that is also a really great resource for understanding these concepts behind the scenes. Nice, nice. Yeah, we'll get we'll get as many links as we can in the show notes so people can uh, find find stuff uh, super easily. Awesome. Uh, well, thank you so much for chatting with me, It's been it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, Noah. This was awesome for me. Awesome, awesome. Take it easy. Thanks for listening to PodRocket. You can find us at PodRocketPod on Twitter. And don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks.